You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Good morning, everybody. I invite you to find your scriptures before you, and uh, we are we're going to end in we're going to be in Judges, but if you want to turn first to Psalm 81, you can do that. Psalm. Psalm 81, just so you can see where I'm reading from. We're going to kind of begin and end the sermon here in Psalm 81. Hopefully you'll see, you'll see why, see some connection here. But if you want to turn to Psalm 81, and then we'll get to Judges 8 in a, in a minute. I've got a picture from last week from Kalen, who is absent, along with all of his friends and people, and most of the, some of the drawers. So, uh, but Kalen drew this last week for us. This was... When they brought to Gideon all the rings, the 1,700 shekels worth of rings to make that ephod that became a snare, Kalen captured that, maybe that image of just donating all the rings. There they go. And uh, Gideon would, would then make that ephod from there. We're going to continue on in that story um, later on as we, as we look to Judges. So maybe Kalen will see this later. So thanks, Kalen. And you can, if you think of it, pray for Kaylin and all the rest of those kids last week that are heading up to camp or are already there uh, today. They're at a camp in Wisconsin, um, and they'll be there through Saturday coming back. So we look forward to, at some point, I'd like to hear from them. How was your week? And, and hear from them. So that'd be good. So think of it, pray for them. But let's look in God's Word. Just first, just going to read Psalm 81, just verses 1 through 10. Just so we hear kind of God's Word to begin with. And then we're going to work through the passage we're in today. So Psalm 81, at least part of this psalm, says, Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, again I pray that you would open our mouths today to eat of good things. And we will taste of your goodness as we celebrate communion today, and we pray that we would taste of your goodness even as we read this not-so-positive account in the book of Judges. Lord, would you again work through our hearts, I pray, along uh, the same lines this morning, that our ears, the ears of our heart, would be listening to you. Would you speak through your word to your people? And it is by grace we are your people by the grace of the blood of Jesus Christ on that cross. And we thank you for that. 
And as your people, may we now be attentive to your word that is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in our righteousness, we ask in your name. Amen. We'll head, if you will, then, now to Judges chapter 8, verse, verse 29 is where we're going to be. And we're going to actually kind of just work through this passage from verse 29 all the way till verse 21. I'm not going to read it all for us. We're, I'll just read as we go. So we're doing one of those this morning, and we'll read as we go. But before we get to verse 29, I just want to say, it just to think of, put it in context, it, it really matters what... Or maybe the better statement is it matters who we listen to. It matters who we listen to. Because our hearts will incline to whatever or whomever we listen to. And it's been shared. We live amongst a people that on a day like today to celebrate the founding of our country, there is we live amongst a people listening to whatever voice seems best. That sounds good. My heart sounds good. I'll listen to that. Everywhere. It's not all over. It's not 100%, but we we feel that. We live in this culture. The people of Israel, and in particular, these leaders of Shechem that we're going to look at, also they faced a choice, a voice to listen to. Whose voice would they listen to? And you'll see that hopefully as we go. This idea of listening and hearing is intertwined in what we're going to look at this morning. So we begin in verse 29. Kind of picking up right after the land has this rest for 40 years, and now we get to verse 29. Jerubbaal, that's just always hard to say, Jerubbaal, we'll just say it that way. The son of Joash went and lived in his own house. All right, just not, not a big, but just... Two things here in this verse that are going to contribute to everything else we're going to read. First, the name that I can't pronounce. Maybe you can do it better. Jerubbable. It's that nickname of Gideon. You remember? It's, it's a, kind of that nickname meaning let Baal contend against him. It's, it's really a name of honor. It showed how worthless Baal was. Remember, Gideon took down that altar and they're like, well, Jerubbable, maybe, maybe Baal will get back at you. He never did. Gideon kept on living. It was like a, like a, a put-down of Baal. Let Baal contend. And he couldn't because he was no God. And so, Jerubbabel, this name is here to show the worthlessness of Baal. Keep that in mind. And then secondly, we've got Gideon heading to his own, his own house here. And the account is going to deal with the relationship of Israel and some specific people the relationship of Israel to the house of Gideon. So there's kind of this drubbable, his own house, and then the account's going to deal with this as we go on. Okay? So pick up verse 30 and 31. Now Gideon had 70 sons, his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he called his name Abimelech. There is a distinction here. You see it. You've got 70, and then there's this Abimelech. Remember we looked at last week, my my father is king or something to that. One writer observes this. There's 70, the 70 legitimate sons traced their descent through Gideon and Abiezer, 
But Abimelech's lineage was reckoned through his Shechemite mother. There's a separation here. And, and even I think the same writer said, you know, in, in some sense, Abimelech probably was raised in Shechem. He was not raised with the, the 70 other sons. He would not be really in line for the kingdom. There's a separation and it kind of just sets the stage. Even in these verses, we see there's 70 and then there's Abimelech. It's kind of like clues by the writer to see what's going on here. We see also here Gideon's many wives. God, His plan for man and wife was to join together as one. But we don't find that one union here. Problems will come. They will come. But they will come really after the death of Gideon. Look at verse 32. Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash's father at Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Despite Gideon's ephod that we looked at last week, despite this, God had in fact, He had done much good through Gideon. And, and the text, as we're going to look here, it seems to make clear his house was to be honored for this. So, we know there's the ephod, and there is in everyone but, remember last week, the perfect one, Jesus Christ. There's these failures, and we look at our own lives and go, I wish it wasn't this and that. And we see this in Gideon, the ephod, and yet it says he died in a good old age. And his house ought to have been honored. But once again, in the book of Judges, change looms on the horizon as we get to verses 33-35. through 35. This will be no surprise to us once again. As soon as Gideon died, verse 33, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals and made Baal Berith their God. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jerubbabel, that is, Gideon in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. In essence, Israel hits the mute button. If you've got a button on your remote that hits mute, they mute God and they mute Gideon's house. They say, we're not going to listen. It's not just now whoring after an ephod. They outright, they worship Baal. And you see the name here. They made Baal bereath their God. Baal Berit. That is Baal of the covenant. Berit is covenant. Here, they knew the covenant keeping God, Yahweh, the Lord. That was the one who could truly keep a covenant, keep all his promises, and yet they're going after this other Baal. They replaced him and abandoned their God and the only one that could follow through on his promises for this Baal Berit and a whore after the Baals. Verse 34, you see it, and it's, it's not uncommon as we read through the people of Israel not remembering the Lord. You see it where they, verse 34, they, they, uh, they, Israel did not remember the Lord their God. Dale Davis says this, he says, when the text condemns Israel for not remembering Yahweh, it is not suggesting that Israel forgot the identity of Yahweh, nor even that they could no longer list the enemies from whom Yahweh has rescued them. It means that what they knew of Yahweh exercised no 
control over them, held no grip on their loyalties. You hear what Davis is stating? He's saying they might have known all the right answers. You know, who brought you out of Egypt? The Lord, our God. They knew all the right things, and yet the knowledge, the true remembering, had no effect on their living or their worshiping. They had muted the Lord. And, verse 35, they did not honor this house of Gideon, Drubbable. The one who had contended with Baal and Midian, we're not going to honor that house as well. And so with this kind of background now, just kind of leading us into chapter 9, it's really not going to surprise us at all that things start to just unravel. Things aren't going well for them. So look at chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, and Abimelech comes back on the scene. Now, chapter 9, verse 1. Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem to his mother's relatives and said to them and to the whole clan of his mother's family, Say in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem, which is better for you, that all 70 of the sons of Jerubbabel rule over you or that one rule over you? Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. Now we're going to talk about Shechem in a little bit. It's got some historical significance, but we see this question, Abimelech, he wants his relatives, maybe I, I think uncles here, his mother's relatives, I think the word could be the brothers of his, of his moms, his, these uncles maybe, or his relatives. He wants them to speak to the leaders of Shechem. You know, will you do this for me? And, and here's the question, what's, what's better for you? You know, should my father's 70 sons rule, or what about me? I'm flesh and blood, or should I rule? You hear what he's wanting. What you don't see at all is God's rule even being considered. Abimelech's father, Gideon, Jerubbabel, he's the one that just earlier, chapter 8, had said, what, when, they, when the people wanted him to rule over? No, no, the Lord will rule over you. That's who should rule over them. So we ask, what happened between Gideon's statement, the Lord shall rule, and the desires of Abimelech that I'd really like to rule? What's in between? Generally, we could say verses 33 through 35 is what's in between. Israel failed to listen both to God and to honor the house of Gideon. The entire nation, it would seem, I know we're in an area, but it would seem they have abandoned the Lord. And we see a natural outcome of the lack of the rule of the Lord among them. We also see the fruit of the sexual errors of Gideon. The many wives. They had a lasting effect. He is dead. He died at a good age. He did a lot. And there's this. And it affects this next generation. And so verse 3, Abimelech's family, they helped them. Look at verse 3. And his mother's relatives spoke all these words on, behalf, on his behalf in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem. And their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is our brother. Remember that little song, Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful. When God is muted, wisdom is muted, but the volume of self goes up, 
And this seemed so good to these leaders of Shechem. They're speaking into the ear. What about Abimelech? What's better for you? Oh yeah, Abimelech. He's our brother. Of course. And they go with him. And so then, verses 4 and 5. So look at what they do. They incline their heart. They hear. They incline their heart. Verse 4. And they gave him, Abimelech, 70 pieces of silver out of the house of Baal Berit, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows who followed him. And he went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, the sons of Jerubbabel. Seventy men on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself. They give him 70 pieces of silver. I, I think it's shekels here, like 70 shekels, and he hires these worthless, reckless fellows. One commentary I talked about, you know, this gives you an idea of the person who hires these people. Gives you an idea of Abimelech as well. And they go off and they kill 70 sons, except Jotham. Alfred Edersheim comments on this set, these 70 pieces of silver. He says, Such was the value which Israel put upon them, or basically the sons of Gideon. How did they honor the house of one Gideon who had put down the bales, who had uh, defeated the Midianites by the hand of God, who had gone after, gone without food and water in pursuit, and they honor this house by killing all his sons except one for 70 shekels or pieces of silver, one each. It was murder and dishonor, and it was sinful. And to add to it, in verse 6, they make Abimelech the king. And all the leaders of Shechem, verse 6, came together, and all Beth Milo. I'm not sure that's another town. That might just be like a, like a high place in the area, kind of a tower-like place. I'm not sure. And they went and made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar at Shechem. Now notice, notice where this is taking place. Where did they make Abimelech their king? It was beside the oak of the pillar at Shechem. If we, if we go back, you can, but I'll just, we'll get there in actually a little bit in Joshua 24. But there, amongst other places where Shechem comes up in Scripture, we read Joshua gathers all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. This is back when they're coming into the land. He gathers them all at Shechem, Joshua, years earlier. He challenged them who you're going to serve. You're going to serve the gods of the nations surrounding you or you're going to serve the Lord. Here's what Joshua 24:25 says. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Now I can't be certain here if not it's close the same terebinth oak kind of similar words could put terebinth here or oak here there's a ceremony virtually in the same place where they had been challenged are you going to serve the lord or the gods of the nations and here they have just killed the 70 and they are making abimelech the king In Joshua 24, the people had said, The Lord our God we will serve. His voice we will obey. Generations later, 
They're failing to heed the voice of the Lord. They had dealt poorly with Gideon and his household. And there's a contrast here. There's a replacement of God's, really. And yet, in all this, there's this voice. I don't know if it was crackling or soft. It's probably pretty loud. A voice comes through that says, listen. Look at verse 7. When it was told to Jotham, remember, the only one left, when it was told to Jotham, he went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim and cried aloud and said to them, Listen to me, you leaders of Shechem, that God may listen to you. Once again, here's Jotham, the, the, the last survivor, the youngest. I mean, we, we think of Gideon, the weakest. Here's Jotham, the, maybe the youngest, kind of a weak one. He is being used of the Lord to announce judgment on the godless actions of Abimelech and Shechem. And again, this location of Shechem is fascinating. In Deuteronomy, and, and even where Jotham is, he's out Mount, Mount Gerizim. Deuteronomy, and then Joshua again, I think it's Joshua 8, we find in Deuteronomy at least this commission, Israel, when you go into the promised land, use these two mountains that kind of are right beside Shechem. There's Mount Ebal and there's Mount Gerizim. Mount Ebal is associated with cursing. There's cursing for not following the statutes and rules of our God, of Yahweh. So they pronounce a curse on Mount Ebal. And then on Mount Gerizim, that's where the blessing comes from. There's a blessing from this. And so the tribes are divided up in, in uh, Joshua, I think it's eight again, where there's this blessing and cursing of these mountains. And here we find Jotham on one of these mountains. He's on Mount Gerizim. But if you can keep them straight, Mount Ebal is the mount of cursing. Mount Gerizim is the mount of blessing. So why is Jotham up on Mount Gerizim blessing them? Why is he, he there? Now, before we look at that, one uh, writer talks about the acoustics of here. So I don't know how loud Jotham could speak, but it sounds like there's different points uh, even there where you could go out on a point and speak and the people would just hear you. Like, like I'm amplified right now in my voice. They, could, they would be able to hear uh, Jotham throughout good acoustics but again why why this mount garrison this mount of blessing now maybe real practically that one had the best escape route we're going to see him hightail it after he does his speech he's going to he's going to get out of there maybe garrison had the best route out of dodge you know that but perhaps i'm just saying perhaps perhaps yes he is he is uh proclaiming from the Mount of Blessing a a curse, really. It's really a curse on these. He's saying, listen. And he's saying, if you don't, fire's going to, we're going to get into that. But I think also on the lips of Jotham, in the same way that there's a curse, there's also a blessing should the people listen. If they listen to what Jotham's saying, there would be a blessing. God, it says God would listen to you. So, yes, it's a curse on them, but it's a, it's a gracious curse. Like, you're doing wrong. Listen to the Lord. Listen to what I have to say. Which should have, should have right, in the heart, in the hearing, 
oh, we've got to turn. This is wrong. But what a heart's hard, corrupt. They keep going their way, and they would not listen. And so Jotham speaks to them. But he speaks to them in a way that we're going to see Jesus, as you see later in the New Testament, Jesus speaks very often. He's going to use a parable, a story, an illustration with truth veiled within it for those with ears to hear. The penetrating truth, if they could hear, that is these leaders of Shechem, if they can hear through this. Let me just read it in its entirety. It starts at verse 8. See if you can kind of sort this out as we go. 8 through 15 here. Jotham says, listen to this. The trees once went to anoint a king over them. Kind of get an idea of the characters here. And they sent to the olive tree, rain over us. But the olive tree said to them, shall I leave my abundance by which gods and men are honored and go hold sway over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, shall I leave my sweetness and my good fruit and go hold sway over the trees? And the trees said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, shall I leave my wine that cheers God and men and go hold sway over the trees? And here it is. Then all the trees said to the bramble, you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. So who are the trees here? The trees are these leaders of Shechem. And they are in search for someone to rule over them. And for ears that would hear, we hear this process of elimination. You've got the olive tree, the fig tree, the grapevine. They're all like, no thanks. Except the bramble. The bramble will do it. He'll, he'll take that on. But the bramble is a really terrible tree to hold sway. It's a, it's a, I'm not up on what a bramble is, but it's like a thorny bush. Something said like a, like a raspberry bush, something like that. But I don't think this meant raspberry like, ooh, good fruit. Like just a thorny bush. A thorny bush that would claim shade, but whoever goes and sits under the shade of a, of a thorny bush. We want a shade tree not a thorny bush it would offer very little shade and then also from what i read this bramble was just prone to fire get a fire going in a bramble it spreads and it would spread to the cedars of lebanon again i think the leaders of shechem and they would face the threat of a fire which we're going to see later later on what's jotham saying Shechem, you leaders, you have chosen poorly. You have listened poorly. You are trusting in an unstable leader and a shaky hope. One writer says, Jotham's point had been graphically made. Abimelech could offer no real security to the men of Shechem. Instead, he would be the means of their destruction. What a contrast from the God who is our refuge and our strength and covers us. And that's what it is in our sin, going after these little gods, just finding the littlest of bush to find a little bit of shade. 
And, and perhaps while you're in that shade, it's going to start on fire anyway. What a terrible place to be. And yet their ears, at least here, we don't see them going, we are, so, we are repentant that we don't see that. Well then, Jotham, then this gets interesting because he's going to question the inclinations of their hearts here. And the hearts of Shechem. And it, it, there's just a variety as we start in verse 16 all the way to verse 19. There's just these if then statements. You know, if this, then this, if, if, if. You see it a lot in here. Listen for it as I read. I'll just read 16 through 19. So Jotham's still speaking to them. He says, Now therefore, if, if you acted in good faith and integrity when you made Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jerubbabel and his house and have done to him as his deeds deserved, for my father fought just in case you didn't. Verse 17, For my father fought for you, risked his life, and delivered you from the hand of Midian. And you've risen up against my father's house this day and have killed his sons. Seventy men on one stone have made Abimelech, the son of his female servant, king over the leaders of Shechem, because he's your relative. If you then have acted in good faith and integrity with Jerubbabel and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. It's one long if-then statement with an obvious answer. If you've acted faithfully and with sincerity in what you've done, great, rejoice. Rejoice in your king if that's how you've acted. What's What's the answer? You have not acted this way in the least. The phrase is interesting. Uh, if you have acted in good faith and integrity. You see it in verse 16 and then verse 19. See those two? Acted in good faith and integrity. And I believe Jotham's words have a background here. Hang with me, but head to Joshua 24.14. We will head there. So just turn back, just one book. If you're in Judges, you're so close. Back to your left, one book, Joshua 24. We were already looking at this, this chapter dealing with Shechem and this covenant renewal. And you find verse 14. I don't know if I was just reading in this area or looking or... But you come to verse 14. I want you to just, just look at it. Kinda, I got my thumb in Judges and I got my... My page in Joshua twenty four fourteen it says, Now therefore, Joshua speaking to the people, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. You see what it says there? I've got ESV in sincerity and in faithfulness. How should they serve the Lord? How should they fear the Lord? Sincerity and faithfulness. These are virtually the same words that we find back in Judges nine, sixteen. And 19 sincerity and faithfulness the one word uh, for sincerity is tamim hebrew tamim blameless integrity and then you've got the other word emet we get truth from that i think or, or amen don't hold me on that i met emet just messed that up but emet we get faithfulness trustworthiness esv says good faith joshua 24 14 right 14 Judges 9, 16 and 19, Jotham's calling them out. Have you acted today in good faith and sincerity? 
which I think if they're listening, it's like a time machine back to that, to when Joshua was saying, serve the Lord in faithfulness, sincerity, and that idea. I, I don't think this is mere coincidence. And what, just side note, as we read through Scripture, you, you see, even in this, these are not just kind of haphazard stories like, I'll just write this down and hope it works out or, or whatever. You see how the connectedness of God's Word Back to even the, the, the words of Hebrew in, the, in Joshua coming into Judges. These writers are not, it's not a haphazard book or story. There's, a, there's an order and there's a flow. Sometimes hard to understand. Where is this going? Why is this here? That sort of thing. God's Word, it's amazing in here. And had these ones had ears to hear, they would hear the conviction that they had departed from the covenant. They had abandoned their God who saved them and the house of Gideon. So verse 20, the hammer comes down from Jotham. Verse 20, but if not. Those are important words. But if not. You know, if you, 16 through 19, if you've done all this, great, rejoice. Guess you've done a great job. Verse 20, but if not. Let me finish the verse. Let fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leaders of Shechem and Beth Milo. And let fire come out from the leaders of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. If not, everything in one sense kind of builds to this phrase. The fact is they had acted sinfully. Shechem's leaders had acted foolishly before the Lord. They had closed their ears, right? They were listening. They, they listened to the relatives. Who would be a better ruler? Oh, our brother would be. Let's go that route. And it would incur this judgment. If you've not acted, let fire come out. And both. How, how would it come out? Come out from Abimelech and devour the leaders. And then fire comes out from the leaders and devours Abimelech. In, in some ways, this is the account of Midian on a small scale. This is what happened to Midian. Remember, as we, as we look through that, Jotham pronounced this, this judgment on them. And in the end, these two, that's what we'll look like next week, these two comrades, these two partners in crime come against one another. That's what we'll look at the next time. The curse of Jotham had been pronounced. And so failing to listen to the Lord God alone would have great consequences to them. And that's what we're going to see. You can read ahead if you want this week. Well, verse 21, Jotham gets out. Jotham ran away, fled, went to Bear, and lived there because of Abimelech, his brother. His task, communicate. Hey guys, listen to me. Here it is. I'm out of here. He's gone. And he does his task. He's gone. Well, at this point, we're halfway through this account of Abimelech and kind of this aftermath of Gideon's house. It's kind of still under Gideon, his house at least, and looking at this. Spoiler alert already, right? It doesn't end well for any of these parties involved. Putting your trust in a bramble bush prone to burn does not end well. Or like Abimelech, selfishly seeking 
to rule a people at whatever cost, and abandoning the rule of the Lord does not end well. Muting the only God who can deliver and muting the house of His servant does not end well. And we're going to see that. Today we live among a people who have in large part muted the voice of the Lord. Not just our country, but we think of that in our terms where we live. So today we ought to be grateful, grateful for what those have done before us who have by God's providence set up one of the greatest nations on the earth. They've set it up. But we live, we live in a culture that's lost its hearing. It, it's not even just a, this isn't just a political problem, is it? Or just a constitutional issue. It's a hearing problem, which is a, a heart problem. It's, it's not too hard to see for any of us, but my caution for us is for our own hearts to be cautious. For we too are tempted way too often to listen to other voices than God's voice. I want you to look back at Psalm 81 where we began. And I just want to read the last verses of Psalm 81 to think of our own hearts for us. Psalm 81, verses 11 through 16. We can point it out in others and look at our culture and say we have muted God. May we be careful to not mute Him in our own hearts. Psalm 81, starting at 11, says, but my, but my people did not listen to my voice. These aren't the nation. This is my people. Yeah, but my people. My people, says the Lord, did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways. Do you see the connection? It's not just hearing about God and His ways. It's hearing and walking and living. Verse 14, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward Him. Their fate would last forever. But He would feed you with the finest of the wheat. And with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. There is a rock that satisfies a wide open mouth that God fills. A bread that gives life. And it's who we're going to celebrate in communion in just a moment. Abimelech was a bramble bush. Jesus Christ is King eternal. And He offers life to anyone bearing the curse of sin in this world that we would with ears graciously given by faith look to Him and listen to Him. May our little ears, little ears be careful what you hear. We live in a world of quick video clips, great podcasts, things to listen to, articulate speakers. Make sure Christ's voice is the one we listen to. We hear it. We have it right with us. It's, on our dev- it's carried with us. May we listen to His voice and then be driven to Him, to faith in Him. Let me pray for us. Lord, what a gracious thing it is that You who open the eyes of the blind and, and the ears of the, of the deaf open ears to hear You 
perhaps this morning some ears have just been opened and we see we've been going in the wrong way. We've been listening to the wrong voice. Lord, may we hear also that word of grace that says, come to me. May we come to you and find our rest in you, Jesus Christ, alone. Thank you for this grace. And Lord, lead us. Lead us in a, in a nation and in a world that is muting you. May our homes not be places that join in with this. May we have the volume up loud to hear from Jesus Christ. Lord, protect us. We are weak. And truthfully, so much more like Israel than we want to be. And this is wandering off. Lord, we need to live by your strength. We need it in our lives. And I pray today you would move us along to feed on you the bread of life. And we pray this in your name. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.